millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. Folks, this is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality Dumpty drummer that has entered an amridge in the heart of the millers. I'm returned to form that is Royfield Brown, and with me have the lackluster episode who is Kerry Warbis. And we are joined by the dreary drama who goes by the name of Peter Fickling. And the last part of this week's bang on docky drama, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumpty Dum is from our Lillian on a harpsichord. Now, our Lillian's actually away in Corfu at the moment, sunning herself, she is. Uh, so, Lillian, um, I hope you're having a great time over there in Greece. But, folks, we're going to have to retire that dumpty dum because we only give them a little bit of a limited acting, don't we, Kerry? We do. I'd quite like that as my ringtone, though. Is that possible? <laughs> but if someone does want to send us a dumpty dum, um, or sing us a dumpty dum, leave us a plot prediction, call us on 0203 031 3105, leave us a message on SpeakPipe, or send a text message starting with dumb to 077-862-00690. Thanks, as ever, to our new-ish social media supremos, Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Mike Hatton for his character counts, Shambridge for her voices, and to Lucy B. Freeman. On this week's episode, we hear views from Jack, Cranky Yankee. It's not very cranky at all, actually, after listening to her message. Maeve, good grief from the very first episode 
back six years ago. She's caught in again with the spoon for upper, uh, uh, upper, uh, uh, the upper <laughs> lower east west side. Mary uh, from Toronto, Glyn full of love, Claire from Clapham, and Caroline from Sydney. It's going to be a blockbuster episode, folks. But first, we have our burning issue of the week. And you know what the topic is, folks? It's Flaming Laura. And bloody <laughs> hell, wasn't that a return to form? Pete Ficklin, I'm queuing you up, sir. Go. Well, we sort of, we coasted into the week, sort of, you know, full of anticipation, but it was a slow burn up to that point. And they sort of, they softened us up with a couple of light jabs. There was um, uh, Susan and Emma um, uh, gossiping and arguing, and you had Jazza um, pondering whether to be the Randy Postman or not. And then all of a sudden, boom, in came Tuesday, like a steam train, mixing metaphors as always. And it was, you know, it was just crazy town. You had, you know, um, Gavin's almost screeching off the road whilst discussing horses physiotherapy and you know and there it was and and just as you started to recover from that then alice was pregnant i mean it was yeah it was bonkers and also we found out who stole the custard creams (laughs) sorry yeah i'm embarrassed now (laughs) (laughs) but that was so deliberate misdirection wasn't it you know yeah we knew that that was deliberate uh, misdirection because the very last scene of that episode was susan overhearing garen talk about the horses so the script writer says haha you know we've tricked you however um mm. this is uh you know this is now starting to slowly unravel i totally fell for the custard cream theft thing anyway yeah so they did really well at- <laughs> with me, me and peter were like assured last week weren't we it's definitely yeah, and I- um, bloody obvious uh, yeah, so I was, I, was quite, I was quite riveted by the uh, the, the who who done it. Um, I was you know, I could that could have run a bit longer as far as I was concerned, but yes. yeah, it was it was well played. Yeah, agree, agree. And um, what what are you thinking about the Gavin situation? Uh, you know, is he actually rather nice? Is there sort of a nice heart, and has he just been really manipulated by his father to be bloody awful? I don't know. Well, I, I think that's what we're supposed to infer now, mm-hmm. aren't we? Because one of the genius things, and other called Rinos will say this later on in the episode, was to to have uh, Gavin and Alice confide in each other mm-hmm. about their fathers, and you realise a similarity. Yeah. You know, so I am slightly stealing the thunder of uh, Mary Not Contrary by saying that. But it was one of those oh yeah moments mm-hmm. when they talk about their fathers. Yeah. So and you. And and also, Gavin did go against his father's wishes. His dad very clearly says, "Leave her son, mm. get get Blake back." And he said, "No." Yeah. And then uh, Philip, surprisingly to Gavin, said, "I'm glad you ignored me." And he was like, "Really? What?" So Philip's being very uh, ir- what's the word erratic, isn't he? Yeah, he's back and forth. Lots of people have been saying that you know the the last the last week or two 
um, on top of all the previous evidence, obviously, means that we, you know, we, is Philip a sociopath? Is he a psychopath? And I think last week I sort of said that he was there was sort of like traces of sort of psychopathy or something. But I don't, I don't think he is. He obviously has, mm. he obviously has regret. He's he's genuine. He has genuine concern for Kirsty and his relationship with um, Gavin, which obviously was part of the focus this week, is is very confusing because he kind of he can he can treat he can almost treat him like a sort of a you know like a, a subordinate kind of separate the whole son and worker um issue you know when he's yeah. talking to him about certain issues but then he did sound genuinely compassionate he did it, I mean, it didn't come across as controlling to me anyway do you think he said i'm glad you ignored me see i'm a bit cynical i think he said it because he realized he's got to be he's got to sort of control gavin's um just control gavin basically you so know you think make- i've been gavined I've been sucked in by it. <laughs> You've been Gavin. Uh, well, no, no, no. It's just a theory. I, I, I'm just a bit cynical about why he switched so quickly from lever, lever. What are you doing? You know, uh, and then said, "I'm glad you ignored me." And I think he was glad he ignored him because he realizes that worse things could have happened yeah. if he'd so done you, something it's, else. It's, so it's right, really... there's a cynical benefit. Yeah, there, there was. There was to, of the moral complexity that they're kind of um, they, they're, they're mired in when Gavin was talking about um, the fact oh she's a you know it's a local girl from a village and then he mm. started to describe um, Alice mm. and and obviously the fact that it was oh he said it's from a family we know or words to that effect yeah and it sort of pointed to the fact that you know they have to run a kind oh. of um, a sort of separation filter uh, between yeah. the, you know, how they treat their workers and how they treat normal people or people, let's just say people, the horses are not, they literally use a, you know, non-human term to describe them. So, but, and that, I think that was part of the unraveling for Gavin and maybe sort of to a lesser extent, Philip as well. Yeah. So there are different tiers of people and yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Once she's, you know, once it's ev- evident, she's a person of uh, that, that counts because she's in their village, she's in their sort of social world, social mm. realm, then she's suddenly elevated to a you know, position of concern. Yeah. One thing I picked up on as well was that Philip says to Gavin, um, oh, I, I saw Chris was buying wine for her. Maybe it was a drinking game gone wrong. And then he says, but you would have smelled alcohol, wouldn't you? And Gavin went, yes, I would. And we yeah. know he did, didn't he? So what? why do you think he denied that having happened? Because they bonded and they bonded not only because he, in effect, rescued her, but with the, the conversation that they had afterwards. So the conversation after where he says to her, no, you didn't just pass out. I could smell alcohol. She's she's shared that only with him. And then they've talked about their relationship with their fathers. Yeah. And there was some speculation on the Twitters and on the Book of Face that basically will they have some kind of an yeah. affair? Yeah. And I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I because, said yes. Yeah. Yes. And also there was a real hint in that episode, at the start of that episode, if you remember, where he, when he discovers her on on the street, uh, you know, in the verge, late at night, um, he's talking to his dad about um, the fact that he's given money to his ex, you know, for yeah. the, the settlement of the wedding, and Kenzie saying you need to go on a hookup app, yeah, and that he does want to find somebody, and the last thing, on uh, this kind of bit of the conversation, 
that Philip says is, you will find somebody soon, son. Yeah. And Gavin said, I'm not looking for a hookup. I want love and a soulmate. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So it's all just queued up a bit, isn't it? And yep. just so that there's some small level of tension on Dumpty Dum, I'm going to disagree with you both. Um, I, <laughs> that's not what I. That's not what I took. I, I, my, my theory, which is therefore wrong, um, was that uh, <laughs> actually it puts Alice in a position of jeopardy. She's going to sniff out a bit more information about, um, uh, you know, their their illegal operations, and she's mm. then going to be caught between her self interest, all of you know, all uh, her. Her secret is held by someone um, who is, you know, who she now finds out is doing something incredibly illegal and immoral, and she has a crisis of, you know, conscience. Yeah, that has been mooted, hasn't it, on the Twitters as well. So you could well be right. And uh... but, but Alice is just too wrapped up in herself, though, to be. She doesn't have the mental strength to look outside of her own world. She's not interested in tittle tattle and gossip in the village. She just isn't. Alice is all about Alice. So I say nay to that, sir, nay. Yeah, and I, I you know, and I, I look forward to being either right or wrong. I mean, I actually, um, you know, our friendship is built on wrong. me being wrong, Royfield. So. Yeah, I, I know. And, and a wonderful friendship we've, dis- we've developed because of that. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. And, <laughs> and by the way, I just want to cl- clarify that my question was rhetorical about why did he lie about the alcohol, alcohol on her breath? I just thought, you know, that that's a key thing. I think that he's withholding that information. Yeah, mm. they both came to this, come to the same place from different angles, and they obviously they have the commonality of the kind of the controlling father. But he's desperate. He's stuck living in this house. He's got no friends. Um, the only person he talks to regularly and sort of intimately is either his 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 slaves. And I hate using that word, but you know, mm. but, and it, it should be hateful to use. He's 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 using his slaves as confidants and starting to develop a relationship with them. Mm. And he's got this twisted relationship with his dad. He can't talk to Kirsty, even though he 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 likes her. So actually, Alice. Is you know what a you know a wonderful ray of light for him in terms of just having someone else to talk to yeah. and confide in, and mm. vice versa. Who yeah. who does Alice speak with? You know, and she's now opened up to him. She's not going to tell Chris anytime soon about you know what what really happened, which Chris was asking her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. However, uh, Yoto, it's been um, a wonderful week. A wonderful week on the Archers. A yeah. return to form. We've got our docudrama back. Uh, we've got some caller in that Lovely. also want to weigh in. So let's do a little bit of this. Hello, Ambridge3962. First off, we're going down under. It's Caroline and she's from Sydney. Hello, this is Caroline from Sydney. First time caller in I've been listening to Dumpty Dum now for a couple of years and finally felt I had to take the plunge and say hello properly. So first to the housekeeping, um, I've been in Sydney now for over 20 years, a bit longer than I intended to come, which was about two, but there you go. Um, I'm in IT, so nothing interesting to see there. <laughs> and like Royfield, I'm a Marjorie Antropus. I've been motivated to call in thanks to the Alice storyline. What a mess she's got into. <laughs> Um, vile as she is, and she it's very hard not to see, feel sorry for her, finding herself pregnant when she really doesn't want to be. And who can she talk to about it? Certainly not Chris. Um, he'd be far too excited about having a baby and not something she wants. She can't talk to her mum or her siblings. They're all baby mad. Um, Debbie, maybe? I don't know. I, I don't get the 
impression there's a strong relationship between Alice and Debbie. Um, nor does she seem to have any close friends in the village. Maybe Fallon, but I don't. I don't think she can talk to Fallon about this. I hope she does decide to talk to her aunt Lillian, someone who understands her lack of maternal feelings and also wouldn't judge her for her alcoholic intake either. But my plot prediction is that she will decide she's going to have an, an abortion, and she won't talk to us about it. But it will, of course, come out eventually, and when it does. It'll cause a massive falling out. He'll probably try and patch things up, but it won't work. And eventually it will be the end of their marriage. And I'm sure Emma would be delighted. So that's it. Thanks for calling in, Caroline, in Sydney for the first time. Um, IT can be exciting. <laughs> we need we need IT. We do. We do indeed. But yes, you're completely right obviously Alice is in such a mess and doesn't have anyone to speak to I hadn't actually thought about her maybe um, confiding in Lillian so that's an interesting one how that would come about I'm not sure yeah I think it's unlikely Lillian's sort of fulfilled that role a bit too much with um, Linda hasn't she it would yeah. be just plot wise it wouldn't work sorry to be to geeky about it but no 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 yeah it's right and the plot prediction prediction about abortion but not telling chris um uh, and then that causing a split yeah i can see that happening and how how dreadful to do that and not feel you can discuss it with your husband yeah, i mean that would tricky. cause such a rift i mean if she doesn't have an abortion i mean the, it could be like the begin you know the opening scene of iron man where um uh, all of his alcohol fetal all the child's alcohol fetal syndrome um, sort of disabilities can be gradually sort of clanged away by um, Chris and his magic hammer building it some kind of um, therapeutic suit. <laughs> clang, you, um, you know, new leg, clang. He didn't make so a very good job of that to... hanging basket, though, did he, Bob? Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we going to have to do? Relocate uh, Ambridge to Afghanistan or something then, Peter? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm open to it. I think, you know, any anything to anything to make my ridiculous prediction come true like it and bridges down oh i like that oh, mm. i like yeah. that that's a significant upgrade from your uh to be or not to be joke last week <laughs> Gary. <laughs> oh dear oh dear how base i am but no that was a really interesting call wasn't it from caroline and she is a marjorie antrobus like you royfield yeah I, I found that generally the best type of archers <laughs> listeners are antrobuses mm. antrobi Antrobi. Antrobum, that's what we I think. Oh, Antrobum. Well, it should Goodness. be. I imagine having a bum, a big bum. When we inevitably have a slow week, Royfield, I'd like to hear your kind of top ten with with a with you know d- done full kind of um, Mark Goodyear style with the with the backing track. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I wouldn't have gone that far back, Kerry. I'd have gone. Would have been. That's my era, really, at top of the pops. Yeah, I did that. Um, who's what's he called? Yeah, the guy who looks like Bernie Eccleston. Um, the, with the with the old wizened one with the leather jacket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, him, him. Oh, yeah. So anyway, like, excellent so, points. Excellent points, though. Yeah. Well done, Caroline. And there's nothing like you know uh, popping your cherry, so to speak. You know, you know, just getting in there eventually, doing the dumpty dums, and we'll expect you. Uh, next week, same time, same place, Caroline. You know, call in again uh, from Sydney and let us know what the weather's like down there as well. 
All right, now that's Caroline from Sydney, uh, and she was a first time caller in Rome, uh, but now we have one of our stalwarts. Uh, and this is Claire, and she's from Clapham. Hey, Dumpty Dum, Claire from Clapham here. I've been running for a few weeks, and I haven't got a huge amount to say except that the naughty milkman is daft in the extreme. I mean, of all of the stupid, stupid plot lines in the arches, <laughs> this has got to be one of the more ridiculous. Um, and especially since things are hotting up now and we're getting back to more normal sounding episodes. <laughs> I was hoping that we would maybe, you know, lose some of the pointless storylines for a bit. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I find the whole thing a little bit distasteful. It's a bit like when you look back at an old carry-on film and think, oh, it was acceptable at the time, but it doesn't really work, does it? So mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how that pans out. And I also thought that putting Alice and Gavin in a conversation together about how they couldn't live up to their father's expectations was brilliant. Um, there's a mm. lot of untapped depths in Alice's drama yet to come, I think. And I'm interested to see where it goes. Anyway, keep up the good work. Hope everyone's doing all right and um, speak to you soon. Bye. We're doing all right, aren't we? (laughs) I think. Yes, the Naughty Milkman is stupid. Wholeheartedly agree. Please tell me something different, either of you two. It it sort of dovetails with my um, theory about that, you know, the whole week was, you know, bright lights, um, big, you know, swooshy, um, explosiony sort of Star Star Warsy cinema, um, you know, and and like Star Wars, on close examination, it's apps. It was, you know, a little bit it creaked around the edges and was a little bit pooey, um, you know. The, the, it was because obviously we we list we tend to listen to it a second time in you know ready to do Dumpty mm. Dum and it does reveal a lot and so last week i was all sort of breathless excitement oh i can't wait to listen to it tomorrow and then when i re-listen to it you you do realize that all the stuff in between the cliffhangers was a little bit ropey um and especially the um the uh um what, what, what's the correct name I've, every time i say something stupid and i can't actually remember what the correct name is the, the, <laughs> The, the pervy milkman, the brandy naughty milkman. milkman. The naughty it's milkman, all thank you. absolute hogwash, isn't it? Yeah. And I don't know why it took you two listens to realise that that, that, that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah. You've now gone down on my spreadsheet of uh, excellent people. Oh, okay. Well, I, hopefully hopefully there was room to manoeuvre. But, I, there is. I, but we've talked about it before, Carrie. You you require more from the archers than I do. You know, you, your relationship with the archers is, is a sterner, more exacting one. I'm far more easily pleased. And a, and a bit of slapstick does does tend to keep me happy. But um, but to Claire's point, um, yeah, I, it does feel very old-fashioned. And, uh, you know, it's like, um, um, what was it we said last week? Robin Asquith, what, you know, yes. what, the, what the milkman saw. If, you know, and I, even, <laughs> even when I was a kid, I remember seeing that and being like, holy Christ, this is ridiculous. Yeah, he liked a tweet of mine the other week and it was one of the highlights of my Twitter experience. What Robin Asquith did. Yes. Yeah, because I, I, know, I know it's terrible, but I just I watched uh, Man About the House film uh, the other day. Anyway, Blimey. yeah, so I know it's all dreadful and Carry On is dreadful, but it does have its place, doesn't it? We, it's then. You wouldn't have naughty this naughty milkman thing, which they based on the milk tray man. Those yeah. adverts where a guy sort of swooshes in on a yacht or a, into your bedroom or whatever with his black black polo neck on. But this makes no sense at all, does it? It's a naughty milkman who is Kenton delivering beer. So there's nothing to do with milk. Uh, it's a pub. <laughs> Kenton um, stinking a peacock poo, <laughs> bumbling into your house <laughs> in the middle of the night. <laughs> Oh, it's I. These sorts of plot lines drive me nuts. 
bits because they're just so ridiculous. They're not ridiculous in a funny way to me, you know. Yeah. It's just, this wouldn't bloody happen. But this doesn't this go to what you were saying last week, though, Peter, that, you know, it's one part drama, one part sitcom. And, you know, and it's quintessentially that's what The Archers is. There's always a level of nonsense or foolishness, as us West Indians would say, mm-hmm. which you just have to abide because it's all part of the mix. Yeah, well, I'm all for silly, foolish fun, but this... I have been infected by Kerry a little bit when it comes to insisting <laughs> on a certain amount of continuity and logic. And I think the difference between... Uh, a good old uh, okay so linda chaining herself outside the bull that was ridiculous creating mannequins for herself you know <laughs> the, the the whole mad backwards and forwards but there was just enough of a kind of kernel of logic and truth yes. underpinning it all that you no, could kind of like no, you could Pete, kind of Pete, Pete, Pete. I, I i have to uh, no i have to pull seniority the whole thing was utter hogwash there was <laughs> yeah. nothing behind that albeit ambient storyline which made any sense. Yeah, we'll there wasn't the yeah. name, the consultant who didn't wear <laughs> socks. It was just come on, right? <laughs> yeah. However, but however, Linda getting so aggravated by it, she'd chain herself to a railing. You could almost believe. I I yeah. totally agree with you, Royfield. That beer Ambridge was another huge vat of hogwash, wasn't it? Um, but I did. You know, you could imagine Linda taking umbrage enough to do something daft like that. Mm. Yeah, once you, you, bought, once you bought into the rules of the science fiction, you know, that there's two moons and there's the, the gravity is twice as strong and all that sort of <laughs> stuff. You you did accept that, you know, Linda being outside the bull kind of made sense within this kind of fake little mini nonsense universe that they created. Whereas the, the naughty milkman doesn't make sense at any point um, that, you know, it, the, the whole thing is riddled with flaws and and so yes i i can see kerry's irritation although you know i still get a bit of a kick out of it mm. all right but you know what though tell you who does make sense it's glenn fuller love <laughs> hello dumpty dum it's glenn here well in my view that was an excellent week in the archers some good development in the modern slavery story and further insights into the twisted mind minds and world of uh, philip and gavin some very good use of monologue technique with Alice's rant, uh, Alice's drunken rant. Mm. And then, of course, the uh, revelation at the end of Thursday's episode. But I think we should also explore a couple of byways. There's been a bit of speculation over the last few weeks that we might be being set up for a double pregnancy. And in general, it's been the sort of uh, the candidates have been Alice and Fallon. I'd like to, to suggest the premise that maybe it's going to be Alice and Emma, which would make sense of that little bit of friskiness that Emma had with um, Ed a couple of weeks ago. And I think that might be a more interesting double pregnancy story than Alice and Fallon, but let's wait and see. Um, the other byway is that they seem to be developing tentatively a storyline around Susan and Tracy having to cope with an older parent. And I think that's an issue that's been underexplored in the Archers. With our ageing population, this situation is very common. 
I think it's about time that the archers had a go at it. Anyway, that's all from me. I hope everybody in Dumpty Dumland is staying safe and have a good week to all. And thank you for the podcast. Oh, lovely Glyn. Oh, God, I love these caller inners. They don't half pack stuff in. Um, so we've got the slavery story. Yes, Twisted, Gavin and Phil. Um, and Glyn makes a really good point again about the monologues and use of monologue. Royfield, are you listening? Um, yeah, the Chinese water torture <laughs> test on um, water Royfield. <laughs> week after week, Glyn comes away, comes in. We, because Alice's phone rant, you know, was a monologue, wasn't it? And I, I, I will say one thing yeah. about the monologues. Mm. And I, I might have said this last week. I really can't remember. Out of all of the characters to deliver a monologue, the one who we got most light from and we understood her much more was Alice. And that is away from the fact that the actor has done an amazing job with her monologues and with her, you know, drunkenly speaking into the phone, which is, again, another monologue, etc. Mm. Mm. But out of all of the characters, the one which was the least fleshed out, who's a regular part of the whole kit and caboodle of the archers, was probably Alice. I don't think that until we went into the monologues, we really understood... We understood that she was a daddy's girl, that she wanted to suck up to Brian because she has done before when they had to move out of home farm. She sided with Brian very much so yeah. to the chagrin of the, of the rest of rest of the siblings, etc. So we, we, we knew that. But now we understand that she has this relationship with her father, which is one part love, another part. I don't I can't live up to mm. to you and your expectations. I'm not as good as uh the, my older siblings they're much more with the exception of kate uh they're much more capable than me i feel you know inferior i have this job uh had imposter syndrome i feel pressure out of all of the monologues out of all the characters that delivered them i got the most amount of understanding mm. about alice and then realized that don't like her before yeah. there, was, there was never enough Alice for us to hang on to to have an opinion either way, really. But now, I absolutely don't like her. Yeah, I think she was. I think she'd been sort of a. a I'd filed her under must be nice because she's Ed's mate somehow in my head. I think that's what I'd done. Yeah, and I, I'm not. Although, although I have softened a little bit on her as you know, as I've heard her sort of wrestling with her alcoholism. I, I you know, during the arc of this story i have softened on her a little bit lots but of people interesting... have hated her for a long time for being self-entitled selfish uh though and and actually i'm swinging the other way and i i now feel a bit sorry for her because there is there must be a reason why she's floundering in this way so yeah she's vile definitely and her behavior is dreadful but i do at the core think she's being vile for really horrid reasons. We didn't but even she's talk. a horrible snob, though. And and Pete said this. So she married ago. Chris. But but still, but what does she actually think about the Carters for slash Horribins? Half of your family are criminals. She's talking about Chris's family when she yeah. said that to yeah. Emma. Pete it was unlistenable. Yeah, Pete said a few weeks ago that what alcohol does is doesn't make you your better self it re reveals your true self mm. it lowers inhibitions yeah. and she said some 
horrible stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, that voice message to um, Emma was disgusting, wasn't it? I turned it where off. She, I yeah, couldn't it listen. Was absolutely awful, where she was describing how she used to hung around the bus shelter in little shorts and um, yeah, it, she's it was a Jeremy um, Kyle episode personified or something. It was like it, Hannibal Lecter, yeah. It was hanging around the bus stop in your little shorty shorts and your crop top. You know, it was very, very, very unpleasant. Really sinister, yeah. There's a lot of movie references you're coming out with this week, Pete. Sorry, I think just I'm just trying to show off that I watch movies. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> get me. <laughs> and and, and it's it's no sorry. Uh, just the bit about you know that Emma cut off the recorded message when she plays it to her mother. I mean, there's people saying, oh, you know, it didn't record or something or she's lost the recording. No, no, no. She stopped the recording. She didn't want her mother listening to the shorty shorts at the bus shelter, the Jeremy oh, car. You've updated your theory because when we spoke before, you had a, a, a subtly different one. I think you sort of you've changed your mind through the week. Um, no. Cause, yeah, cause, really? Don't think oh, so. OK. Why, tell me I, what, yeah. No, well, my 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 um my okay. Well, my my memory was that when we spoke about it, it was um that I was I was suggesting that it just didn't make sense. If it, Emma, there's no way that Emma would have been able to have controlled her temper if she'd hold, heard the full voicemail. Because no, no, the, the, no. The, the I've ta- always said Emma heard it all, but she doesn't really? want to play it to her mother. Yeah. Oh, okay. I must have misunderstood because yeah, I I I just thought it was absolutely impossible that she'd heard the whole thing because she would have just gone bananas there's no way she could have restrained herself from playing it to her mum i thought that alice's phone just ran out of battery and that's all emma actually heard that's what that's what i thought oh well, you could well be right i just thought emma was being uh protective towards her mum not wanting to hear her say you know um you know you you slept with two brothers and you, you know all the hideousness yeah, it was yeah, You could be right. Another point he made, so sorry, but when he said about the double pregnancy and people are saying maybe it's Alice and Fallon, but would it perhaps be Alice or Emma? I think my sort of yearned for, my yearning slash sort of prediction uh, a few weeks ago that Emma Emma's going to end up being this kind of uh, successful businesswoman and actually maybe a bit of a move and a shaker in Borsetshire. I, I have a feeling that's going to come true. And I think that's part of, you know, it might be like... um. Uh, you know, Bert and um, Joe Grundy, you know, in years to come, they might be sort of like, you know, well-worn, bitter sort of adversaries turned friends. But I think there's going to be a bit of a, a, a enmity between the two of them for a long time. Mm. Mm. I, I think you're right, sir. But talking about long time. Uh, so what's been lovely about the last two quarter inners is that Cliff and Clapham has been calling in since, ooh, uh, at least a uh, year two of the podcast, Glyn Ditto. But now we have Mary, not contrary, who I believe called in on episode one. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Mary in Toronto. I'm not contrary on Twitter. I'm calling mm-hmm. in to say that I really thought the scene between Alice and Gavin this week was great. I've really appreciated the insight into Alice's character over the past few weeks. We must remember that when Alice was born, Brian was really hoping for a boy and Alice has been trying to live up to her father's expectations ever since. She's very accomplished, highly educated and studies show that the more educated women are, the more likely they are to drink alcohol on most days and to report having problems during due to their drinking patterns. So I think that's all quite true to life. And I thought it was brilliant pairing her with Gavin, someone else with a alpha male father, a domineering father, uh, because who else could Alice talk to? Not Josh, although he has problems with David, 
it's quite a different dynamic. And also he's her second cousin. Maybe it's a bit too close to home, but I thought it was great to have Gavin in there. And I was reminded of the scene between Rory and Mia from last year, I think, when they were you know, supporting each other through the loss of their mothers at a tender age. Um, and that was another conversation that transited class lines. So that was all great. I won't say much about the pregnancy because I'm sure other people will. Uh, just that I'm disappointed they used the soap trope of fainting because that's really only something that happens in later stages of pregnancy when blood volume increases and blood pressure goes down. Uh, that's all I have for now. Everyone take care. Uh-huh. We assume we, it's, it's the early stages of the pregnancy. I mean, I had assumed, but that just made me think, you know, maybe it's later. Maybe that's yeah. part of, the, part of the, 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 the ongoing drama. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the whole thing about how she has discovered that she's pregnant, um, is it, you know, have the hospital advised her of this? We presume yes. Do we? Um, uh, that's 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 what I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, do hospitals run tests in case they have to do some sort of procedure or give medication, so they know what they're dealing with? I would imagine. Just because she's only just found out doesn't mean that she's newly pregnant, does it? If she's been drinking a lot and her periods have been irregular or not happening or whatever. If you're you're wrestling with the kind of hangovers Mm -hmm. that she's been having over the last couple of months, I know she's a bit younger than me, but I, you know, um, (laughs) I mean, I, you know, I can't, I can't handle that level of drinking and there's, you know, the the, subtle, subtle uh, um, symptoms of pregnancy could easily be lost in that fog, you know, Mm. feeling sick, um, having sort of irritable bowel syndrome, sort of uh, sort of like low energy levels, sort of mood swings, all of all of some of the you know early symptoms of pregnancy could easily be lost yeah. in a, in a fog and of alcoholism. And maybe you know not taking your pill because you're not on forgetting. It, you know, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, everything's a bit blurred. Uh, but she's right, um, Mary. Not contrary about you know Brian wanting a boy and Alice continually having to live up to this so that this pressure that she's been under um has caused problems for her hasn't it yeah i was interested in the highly intelligent women more likely to drink every day thing i'd like to know a bit more about that yeah so how 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 many degrees have you have you got kerry i have one yes. you have one okay so and ha- okay so okay that, but maybe maybe that's a pre- you know never don't get any more education then kerry keep you know we can see what will happen to you <laughs> I don't want you to, you know, you're perfect as you are. Don't risk yourself with um, any more learning. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I wonder why that is. I want to know a bit more about that, Mary, not contrary. If you can either um, call in again with a bit more um, information about that or or email, that would be interesting. And and sorry, I was was thinking, I was listening to everything that was said, but I can't remember exactly. Did, Did she say specifically women? Or, um, highly is it intelligent people? women like yes. to drink okay. every day. Yeah, and is that just because men tend to drink sort of, you know, tend to drink more in general? I don't anyway. Be curious as whether there's any know. correlation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is there know. a correlation with men as well? Yeah. Well, uh, Mary, uh, you've left us uh, with more questions that we need answering <laughs> than, uh, than than I think you realise. So uh, call in next week and let us know all how the family's doing and the little one. Uh, the little Canadian, because uh, it's great seeing his progress on the Twitters. Uh, that's Mary, not contrary, up there in Toronto land. And now is the upper, lower, east, west side, and it's Witherspoon. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy.
Greetings, everyone in Dumpty Dum Towers and all Dumpty Dummers around the world, and Shana Tova to all my Jewish friends in our community. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here, and quite a week it's been in Ambridge. We started by finding out that it wasn't Philip's workers who took the essential items from the shop, but Susan and Tracy's own father. That was quite the rancid-smelling red herring we were served up. I'd call foul on the scriptwriters. Please mm-hmm. stop wasting our time. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to Alice's regular alcohol binge and her slurry message to Emma, her mysterious collapse on the road, Philip's cold-hearted advice, and Gavin's rescue. We thought it would lead to some more immediate trouble for the Moss family and some intervention for Alice. Instead, we had a big last-moment reveal. As we now all know, Alice is pregnant. I know we had speculated about this for a while, but at this point, we're already dealing with Alice's alcoholism. I find the pregnancy to be a bit melodramatic, but it's important to know that Alice's drinking could already have an impact on the developing embryo. Very early in development, cells of the three germ layers of the embryo, the endoderm, mesoderm, and ectoderm, start to differentiate and eventually form the organs of the body, starting at three to eight weeks after fertilization. Alcohol will negatively affect the developing fetus later in pregnancy as well, but those early weeks are most impactful. Cheery news. Did the A&E staff take a blood alcohol level? How long will Alice's deceptions last? And regarding Susan and Emma's conversations, here's a rhetorical question. How did the recording of Alice get cleaned up? She certainly sounded a lot more intoxicated when we heard her leave her message. Questions, questions, as usual. Talk to you soon. Ah, questions, questions. <laughs> oh, it's great, this, isn't it? Uh, quite a week, Grandad, but I like how <laughs> stop wasting our time with these rancid red herrings. Yeah, with feeling as well. I know, I know, which is great. Yeah. Um, uh, do you think Do you think that it's too melodramatic to throw in the... Um... The, the, the pregnancy alcoholism is a, a lot of it is about the effect it has on the people around you and i think this is a very good you know it might be maybe melodramatic i, I might offer a different mm. word which might you know maybe clumsy or sort of a uh, um, ham-fisted if it to, it's not i don't actually agree with with this but if i was trying to sort of find another way of sort of uh, um augment if i was trying to augment what he was saying uh, yeah but i think it has it it, it, it creates a it creates a sort of causal effect her alcoholism is going to cause fetal alcohol syndrome. It's going to cause Chris an enormous amount of um, hurt. It's a, it sort of ups the ante and gives gives the gives there a sort of solid end result. Yeah. So the impact on others of alcoholism couldn't be more pronounced than on a baby. With, with exactly. Him, yes. And yeah. you just said in about three seconds what took me about a minute and a half. <laughs> Thank you, Kerry. <laughs> <No. laughs> but um, I. You, you, but you're the one. Now I'm going. Um, you're the one who raised that because that hadn't actually occurred. Obviously, we all know alcoholism has an impact on others, but I hadn't really thought of it in that way as far as plot is concerned. Um, and yeah, it I, I, it is a bit melodramatic whenever a pregnancy is thrown into the mix. Uh, you know, as soon as a woman starts drinking orange juice instead of the normal beer, everyone's like, oh, pregnant. You know, it's, it's a real soapy thing where you, yeah. you listen out for it and look out for it. Um, if you, if you, um, 
if you you know go through the whole IVF cycle, obviously you're you're planning a pregnancy a lot more than you would do under normal circumstances. And so this yeah. is all so this is this is held up to you. So for instance, you wander into the lovely doctor's office and they say you talk mm. about what you're planning to do and what the time frame is, this sort of stuff. And as a man, they say you they you're like, Oh, should I cut down on this? They're like, well, if you want to. You know, and it's like, well, and I was living in California at the time. So it's like, you, mm. you know, it's like, you know, do you smoke dope? Well, you can. And it's probably best you don't. But ultimately, mm. it's going to make a huge difference. I mean, the men, you can pretty much do what you want. I mean, obviously, you don't, but you, you pretty much can. And then the poor mothers, it's like you just cut out everything, your diet, you know, from the, from the very beginning. I mean, because to Witherspoon's point, the effects are quite, quite dramatic. Yeah. And immediate. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and not just not just not just once you're pregnant, but in the lead up as well, you know, mm-hmm. your weight, um, yeah, your general health is so important. I mean, I, I know I'm teaching my grandmother, I'm teaching many thousands of um, grandmothers <laughs> to suck eggs, but I'm just reinforcing the, the point. Mm. So it's, it's, it's an added turmoil for Alice, isn't it? You know, she's alcoholic and has a baby and can't speak to her husband about either yeah. of these things. And you'd have to be pretty hard-hearted not to feel for her in that yeah, situation, yeah. because you know, um, I, I, I obviously the issues around um, issues around abortion are um, make people's spirits, you know, make people uh, get you know, pretty pretty excited. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the the reason people get so excited is because it's an, it's a, it's an unsolvable paradox. How mm-hmm. do you protect the, the 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 child's rights and the mother's rights? And I think yeah. Alice is showing the difficulty of that. It's a, and it's very it's well it's you know it's a, it's it'll be interesting to see how they unravel that knot yes it will Mm, a Gordian knot I believe that's called Mm. right and I should now just come back from uh, Sicily which is uh, part of the ancient world lots of uh... (laughs) (laughs) nice nice segue there (laughs) thank you thank you thank you (laughs) all right talking about ancient right and uh, as I I kind of witted on there is a bit a little bit of connected tissue here because uh, we've got lots of old caller-inners as well as a new one on this episode. Uh, and uh, Maeve, um, I even think Maeve might have been our very first caller-innerer. But Maeve, in the big press, has been hiding in a cupboard. She's back. Maeve, you're up. <laughs> Hello, Lucy. Hello, Royfield. It's Maeve uh, from uh, the big press. Um, getting a bit crowded in here. Yeah, getting a bit, you know, lots of people in. Got to put my elbows out, give myself a little space. Um, you know, thought it was bad enough with my children, uh, hiding from my children. But um, it seems that uh, quite a lot of people have joined me hiding from uh, what's going on. Anyway, I'm coming out blinking into the light like a pit pony and uh, surveying uh, the post-lockdown um, opposed lockdown landscape. So didn't have a lot of brain space to listen to the archers over lockdown. Had quite a lot going on, as I suppose most people had. So started to listen again this week. And what a joy. Oh, my goodness. I hadn't realised how much I missed Susan, even Gav. And uh, yeah, and, and oh, my goodness me. What about Alice or Alush, <laughs> some clever clog on Twitter referred to her as Tweet of the Week there. Yeah, gosh, it was always going to happen, wasn't it? And the fact that the bloody battery ran out, I was like, Urgh! because if Emma was pissed off enough up to the point the battery died, what would she have done if she'd heard the rest of the message? I think she probably would have gone and probably drop kicked Alice you know, hospital or not. So yeah, so exciting to see how it happens. Poor old Chris, you know, May, listen, she's an alcoholic, you know, that's not hairspray or, you know, a new perfume. That's vodka. Uh, so yeah, bless. 
anyways glad, glad to be back hope everybody's well and survived uh, lockdown and uh, yeah back in the game back in the game um i don't like to think of Maeve in a cupboard but <laughs> well it, it it started off gloomy she was Maeve the pit pony at the beginning blinking, yeah, blinking. into the sunshine so yeah, yeah. <laughs> a loving susan gavin alish uh, she is another person who thinks that Emma's battery ran out. So I may well be totally wrong about that. The evidence is stacking up. I, I'm, I'm glad she mentioned Susan about just how joyous it was to hear Susan after a while away from the... Um, I'm, I'm slightly jealous. I actually enjoyed listening to the, the um, monologues and listening to the... I found the Archers a bit of a, a welcome relief during the... Um, during the uh, the lockdown and, and you know subsequent months, mm-hmm. but um, I can imagine if I sort of come back to it, I would have reacted exactly the same way. I've, I mean, I've loved Susan over the last couple of weeks, and I've adored her as the DJ as well. I just think the whole thing's been fantastic. So yes, I would have been very much like Maeve, I think. Mm. And Chris's denial is not new. Per- it's not new perfume. It's vodka. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad someone said it because I I have been sort of like b- biting my lip a little bit about some of the issues around alcoholism, and it just it just does not seem possible to have lived in that household with her and have not suspected anything. But, yeah. you know, anyway. Yeah, I did say that. And people on Twitter were saying, well, they're very clever at hiding it, these alcoholics. And I think, yes, but I... nevertheless, you know, surely, unless he just doesn't want to admit it to himself. Even a genius isn't a genius when they're absolutely S-faced. Mm. But yeah. remember, there was um, one of the things that uh, Chris said when he was calling Alice and he left a message on her phone trying to find yep. where, where he says you're always saying that I don't notice things right so this whole thing is so and that was another little thing to acknowledge that she's been uh-huh. able to successfully hide or help or drinking and alcoholism from him he says you're always saying I don't notice things you know I don't pay attention etc uh, so ironically enough I didn't notice that he said <laughs> <laughs> on, on his voice message. <laughs> so but you're sure Chris. To, you're, you're. It's like a Russian doll. You're Chris to Chris, and I and I didn't pick up on that thing you said on the phone. So I'm the exit as it goes on and on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, Maeve. It's lovely to hear you um, on on the podcast, and um, you sound in fine fettle, Maeve. Uh, Now, uh, we go from Maeve, who's over there in West London, to the cranky Yankee. And forget exactly where she is in the US of A, but boy, oh boy, is your country going through it at the moment, cranky Yankee. This is your time to shine. Hello, this is the cranky Yankee calling from northwestern Vermont. And I am very excited today because Alice and Gavin are coming to a contretemps and the plot is really moving along despite all the stuff of COVID affecting everywhere and the fires and the election and all the other stuff. So it was a really good Archers and that makes me very happy despite being the cranky Yankee. I love what all of you do and cheers. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, the Archers makes her happy despite the fires and the election. So that is a good thing, isn't it? That's a, well, I mean, that, that's a heavy lift. Exactly. One of your favourite terms, Peter, isn't it? Is it? Do I yeah, say that a lot? You do. It's nice. Oh, OK. All right. All right. Uh, uh, um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll keep it then. <laughs> 
podcast. But yeah, for the I just imagine being in the States and listening to the Archers as a little bit of a crumb of comfort in the troubled times that the country's going through. Yeah. When we've got more time, I'd like to think about what the equivalent, what the uh, the sort of um, uh, uh, radio equivalent would be. What would what should we be listening mm. to in America? But anyway, yeah. Yeah. Would you have a clue about the radio-ness of America? A little bit, but I think mm. I'd struggle to think of a um, – I'm not, I'm not sure they've got any uh, – I'm not sure they had the foresight to um, uh, to do any kind of um, – no, sorry, they didn't need to sort out their agriculture after the Second World War, did they? So they didn't need sort of soft propaganda – um, you know, <laughs> Cletus in the lower field talking to Dirk about the fact that they need to say, uh, have a, you know, start a herbal lay or something. <laughs> no, you don't really imagine American farms being like that in a really sort of prejudiced way. I imagine them being vast and not sort of little villages. Yeah, I mean, I, I, did, a, I did a three-month road trip around America and uh, I drove typically six hours a day. And we did we we did the middle section, and I, I I mean I did like an eleven hour shift, and it was just like being in a tunnel of corn. It was crazy, <laughs> you know. You just get out of the core car completely disoriented. Oh, so Brian no. and Adam have got it lucky, really. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I mean, if if ever there's an excuse for Adam to drone on and on, it's um driving through endless you know miles of um, cornfields. <laughs> but the crank the cranky Yankee, I mm. I mean. I, I get to, she sounds like a very warm and lovely lady. I've always yeah. thought that. So just you know, mm. I think um, yeah. I maybe next time try and be more cranky. Try and live up to your name. I mean, or, or do whatever you want. But uh, I'd like to hear. I, I'd like to hear some where where she's earned her nickname. Mm. You know, th- there's a lot we can learn about the history of America from looking at um, its farms. And of course, the first farms were settled by by the English, who booted off the the, the first nations people. Uh, from from the land and then decided to settle it. And then they said, blooming hell, we ain't got enough manpower uh, to uh, keep these farms going. So then there was indentured servants from from the, from the highlands of Scotland. The highland clearances kind of helped uh, fuel American farms with, with cheap labour. But they only kept them on for seven years. So then they decided to get some African slaves in uh, from, from, from West Africa. And we can go on and on and on, and we can talk about uh, the, the the promises made to to African Americans after the Civil War that they're going to have five acres and a mule, and uh, it's an utterly fascinating topic. But I'm a history bore, so I'm going to stop right there. Other than to say that my grandfather left uh, left Jamaica in the middle of the last uh, of the Second World War, and actually worked on farm in Connecticut and he was part of an unheralded long forgotten migration of West Indians that went to America to work on its farms when all the GIs all the normal farmers the regular farmers were fighting Hitler and the Japanese anyway there you go now it's Jack hello to the dumpty dum community it's Jack here I'm really pleased with the plot line about the couples and showing that all couples of different ages suffer from different problems. That's very realistic. Now, talking of Alice, it would be really good if Alice called into Dumpty Dum. Now, joking aside, it would be really great if you could get Holly Chapman to call into Dumpty Dum Mm -hmm. as though she was Alice Mm -hmm. in a drunken state. It would be very amusing. And she could say some very interesting things, I'm sure, about Dumpty Dum if she was in a state. (laughs) 
Now, I know you're looking for a new Dumpty Dum theme tune. It would be great if you could get somebody with a virtual theatre organ or a theatre organ, a cinema organ, basically a Wurlitzer, to do a version of Barrett Green on a theatre organ. It would sound brilliant. I'm very pleased, obviously, that we've now pretty much got full dialogue. Can anyone tell me the first date that it was or will be broadcast where it was recorded in a studio as opposed to people's homes? I'd be very interested to tell the difference. Have you ever, or do you know, now one of the great successes of the Archers is that the characters that are in the program, we all know people like that in real life. So we all know a Susan and we all know a Neil Carter or a David Archer in our personal lives. So you can get people to call in and contact the show to talk about the people that they know who are like the characters in the Archers. Obviously you couldn't name them because uh, people would get very offended, wouldn't they? Who is the person that is leaving the message on the SpeakPipe telephone line? I'd be really interested to know who that is. Okay, speak to you soon. <laughs> Jack is back. Um, so, who, Kerry, who are you? Who's Royfield? We all know a Susan, a David, etc. So, yeah, yeah. Who, by the same token, who are we? Oh God, I don't. I don't know if I've got the guts to try and uh, decode which um, which archers characters you are. I you... think I might be Jolene. Yes, I'll go with that. Yeah. Thank you for saving me the. I, I, I'll say. I'll. I, I, this is high, high praise. I'm gonna. I'm gonna chuck in a bit of the warmth of Joy Horville in there as well. Okay. A cross yeah, between you know. Joy and Jolene. Yeah, no, but not not Joy's. You know, I mean, I mean, I love Joy, but I, you know, wouldn't want her as a neighbour. But... <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> Yeah. So yes, you, you see what I'm trying That's to say. I'm trying mean, to be nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so who are you then, Peter? I, I hate to say it. I'm probably one of the odious ones. I think I'm probably uh, Russ. Don't be so stupid. You're not um, an odious one. Up, up my own fundament. Uh, love the sound of my own voice. Incredibly pretentious. Quite posh. Kenton. Um, okay, fine. I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're not Russ. Oh no, Kenton. Yeah, Kenton. Probably think that you know, th- a vastly inflated sense of my own, um, um, you know, <laughs> comedic skills. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, and Royfield, come on, right? Let's. I think uh, you might be Peggy. Jim. Jim meets. <laughs> Jim meets Alan meets. Um, uh, what be Peggy? <laughs> I just said that to be stupid. Uh, but yeah, Alan and G- yeah, the Jim sort of history bore thing that he's just called himself. I'm not oh, calling just him. Kate's that, reliability. We'll chuck that in there. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Um, okay, a nice mix between Jim, Alan, and Kate. That's Royfield. <laughs> yeah, and I started with Jim because I didn't want Royfield to feel too beaten up. And I know that he likes Jim, but it's also accurate. I mean, Royfield, do contradict us. Could have been worse. Could have been worse. He could have said Philip Moss, and uh, you know, and that uh, you were I said both... that about five weeks ago. Well, oh, I'm okay. I'm yeah. Kenzie, Pete's Blake. Blake, yeah. <laughs> oh, dead. Yeah, I am. I, yeah, exactly. Who are you trying to sell me to? Which other podcast am I being um, sold on to? Yeah. Yeah. You're being moved on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I I don't know how Jack manages to do it every time he calls in, but he does not. Fire a lot of questions yes. back at us, doesn't he? 
Yeah. I, I loved his ideas about getting people to call in, like Holly to call in as a drunken Alice. That would be good to Dumpty Dum and give us mm. what for. Uh, well deserved, I'm sure. Well, I've, I've given I've given you my list of accents I can do. I could I could call in and it would you'd swear to God it was Brian Blessed. My Brian Blessed impersonation is <laughs> without equal. So do, you know it, I it. might do that down. The, I might do that down the line. Call do in as Brian week. Blessed. Call yourself yeah, I'll, something else and see if we can tell it. I'll call in as Brian Blessed. Yeah, next okay. week. Okay, yeah. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> uh, I don't know what the first date of the studio recording was. Uh, it someone will know. Kerr know. They'll know, won't they? Mm. We we did we had Sonny who played Lillian doing a Friday mm-hmm. Zoom about five weeks ago, and that week she said they'd gone back into the studio. Yes, and it can be anywhere from I don't know like seven to three weeks in advance or something or another. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's probably already happened, but the, the they could well be using a mixture of. Um, well, it has already happened. Yeah. Um, they could be using a mixture of still little bits of monologue and, and then, you know, some kind of socially distanced. Um, they have been, well. sorry, to, sorry to interrupt, Royfield, but to, uh, to support your point, they have been using a lot more phone conversations as part mm. of the dialogues. Yeah. And I think, that's, I think that's to sort of help take the pressure off the studio. That's mm. my, that was my guess. Yeah. What yeah. I would like to know, though, is when they are going to go back to the Monday to Friday. Oh, I can't wait. You know, when's that all? Anyone have a clue? Has anyone seen I sent it? You, what, what are, you, are you not in love with the Sunday shows? I love the Sunday shows. Sunday's my favourite show. Well, yeah, sorry. I meant, you know, the full caboodle yeah. again. Because the Sunday shows, Sunday shows were normally a little bit slower. They normally had a bit more of a whimsical quality. They sort of felt like they were doing a bit of tidying up, mm. um, and they were always quite relaxing. And I, you know, doing a bit of cooking on a Sunday was always, you know, like yeah. some tidying up was lovely. Yeah, or was it a little bit of cricket or or something? You, you're completely right. It was always slightly more offbeat. And but anyway, uh, right now I know that we've got a rather long email have, with an yeah. H. Yeah. So uh, why don't we get our teeth into this uh, because uh, we might be here a little time. Okay. Yes, we have a lovely email from Welsh Witch and she says, hope everyone is well in Dumpty Dum Towers and the world. Uh, well, what can I say apart from the archers are back with a vengeance? Firstly, the Susan Tracy Burt saga. My first thought was that it wasn't so much Bert doing the stealing to gain Susan's attention, but my feeling is that Tracy has engineered the situation to get Susan to help out. Mm, That's a good idea, isn't it? Um, But let's get to the water cooler issue of the week. Where is the story going with Alice? And more importantly, how will that collide with the Gavin and Philip storyline? She says, I was struck on Thursday's episode how quickly Gavin and Alice clicked. And I got the feeling that it wasn't just over the fact that Gavin rescued Alice. In fact, they seemed much more in tune with each other than Alice does with Chris, especially as it seems that Gavin is the first person that Alice has told she's pregnant. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. She goes on to say, I'm not sure which way the storyline will develop, but I think whichever way it goes, and then in brackets, some people have suggested it's going to be a fetal alcohol syndrome storyline, but it could be a woman's right to have control over her body, given Alice's reluctance to even think about having a baby previously. I think it's going to come out that Gavin knew about the pregnancy before Chris. Could Gavin be asked by Alice to attend some sort of checkup before she tells Chris and get mistaken for the father? And that's the way that they get involved with each other. Um, Turning specifically about the Gavin and Philip storyline, I also wondered whether Susan's musing if Gavin had an issue with gambling when he was overheard about having trouble with the horses, will prompt her to discuss problem gambling. And Alistair hearing this and thinking that Susan is talking about him. This could lead to some sort of confrontation where Susan has to admit that she overheard Gavin's comment and then Alistair approaches Gavin slash Phil offering support where they think that Alistair knows more than he does. That might be a bit of a stretch, I don't know. (laughs) However, what really struck me was Susan's comment about Gavin. Didn't she say something similar about Rob? Anyway, keep safe. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Which comment does she mean about Gavin and didn't she say something similar about Rob? I think, is she just saying spotting him as a wrong'un? Cool. Okay. Nice. Yeah. That's what I took from it. Yeah, yeah. But I think she's I think she's hinting that you guys are right about the fact there's this uh, um, relationship potential mm. relationship blossoming with um, Gavin and I'm a bit embarrassed now because it's such a cliche, isn't it? You know the the love affair man finds trashed woman on side of road, uh, <laughs> um, takes her to hospital, um, stinking of booze, <laughs> and then finds out she's pregnant. I mean, what what man could resist a catch like that? You know, so I, <laughs> I you know I can only apologise for my naivety. <laughs> yes, that huge cliche that yeah. you've just described <laughs> happens every day. <laughs> oh, that was a cracking email, though. Thank you, Welsh Witch. Yeah, uh, thank you, uh, Welsh Witch. Uh, just to back up Kerry, and thank you for contributing to um, somewhat of a fantastic episode of Dum De Dum because, boy, oh, boy, have we had a great week in the Archers. Now is that time where... Uh, I'm going to say some nonsense, which goes like this. Oh, it's that time where we're going to have that five quick ad break. Uh, you might hear an ad if you don't, or you won't. But if you do, you will. And we'll come back the other side with some social media stuff from Sue. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Well, hello lovely people, it's Siri here, Green Tart on the Twitters. Well, what a week we've had. I can barely remember what even happened to the Archers, given how much drama we've had on the Facebook group this week. First thing, we're not going to dwell on this. Suffice it to say, we've agreed the group rules are going to be post with a spoiler, put an alert up, give people a day or so to catch up. But, Let's draw a line under that and go on to the second, much, much more important one, much more controversial one. Is it dumb D dumb, which got 88 votes in the poll, or is it dumb T dumb, which got 34 votes in the poll? What I can say is I've got a sweatshirt which says dumb D dumb that came from the official Archers Addicts back when we still had mustard round on the BBC website, for those of you who remember that. Anyway. Doesn't matter because dumb tea dumb is dumb tea dumb. And I hope we can all agree that we love it just the way that it is, to paraphrase Bridget Jones. And anyway, I've got a dumb tea dumb t shirt now and I'm going to be wearing that. So it doesn't really matter. Um, so, what happened this week in the Archers? Let's think about that. Well, we had Chris calling the police to search for Alice. Alice sat drinking by the am. Alice leaving a message for Emma, sat drinking by the am. Uh, Alice, she can't be an alcoholic because she's posh, according to Susan. We had Gavin rescuing Alice. Uh, And then we had the naughty milkman and Bert Horribim nicking the custard creams and not the horses. Very important. So 
I think we can all agree that the single most important thing is to get Kirsty away from Philip. And that loads of people said this. Uh, Linda Curtis talked about it. Paul Devlin says it's all Sausage Boy's fault. I, I'm very happy to agree with that. Uh, David Egan wants Philip and no Kasha to elope to the Algarve, which would rather nicely get shut of the both of them. Um, but nobody had a good word for Philip. Gavin got a wee bit of sympathy. So we had Rob Shosh says he's also a victim. After all, it was all Philip who told Gavin to leave her and he did not follow his dad's request. Sean Coleman was shouting at Gavin to do the right thing. Richard Beveridge says the CPS will take it all into account when he turns Queen's evidence. Oh, that would be a happy, happy day. Lots and lots of people saying it's great that the storylines have converged, including our Sandra and Witherspoon. Uh, over on the Flick app, Drew Hamilton says that he hopes that he could be a much more competent slaver than Gavin ever is. Uh, Geraldine, he, he had, me had, nearly forgot to get to her departure gate at the airport. She was so gripped. Uh, Christopher McCaddies, I think he does, says that Gavin is not a monster, but has been groomed by his manipulative father. And loads of people agreed with that, including Sandra, Linda and Karen. Whereas Sue England questions how many generations can you go back and points out that Gavin is a grown man and can make his own decisions. I, I don't really care. I just want both of them to go down. Sorry, I might have got a beast East Enders at that point. Uh, but there's no doof, doof, doof here on the archers. Uh, just a very quietly whispered, well, it might hurt the baby. Pete Ranson says the archers has finally jumped the shark with this. Uh, but Trish Horton Duke and Linda Curtis both reckon it's a great storyline. Uh, and there's loads of people who don't want a fetal alcohol systems storyline. But Yvonne McKenzie asked that we don't get an unsatisfying resolution. So much potential drama would be missed. I think we'd all like a bit of drama. Um, well, we had a lovely poll. Let's go to uh, something a bit different. And we had Rex and Harrison. They headed up the poll results for who you'd want to be rescued from by the ditch. Uh, Alison Brelsford posted up a lovely still from My Fair Lady, which I think gave us all a lot of joy and pleasure. Um, over on the Flickamp, Sonny Ormond got over 50% of the votes on who was the best Zoom guest. So can we have her back on again soon? Because she was just lovely. Uh, and Royfield has asked us to use the Flick app much more to talk about a lot of our non-archers' lives, uh, to look at the content. So go and have a look at the Flick app. Give it a whirl. Post up pictures of your dinner. Talk about where you want to go on your holidays. I'm sure we can all have a lovely time. Um, I hope you all have a great week. It's Sandra next week. So bye for now. Sue, 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 that's your second time, Sue. Uh, it's even better than your first. Well done, Mrs. Now, Peter, uh, we need some tweets. We've had a, a stunning week in the Archers. It's back to form. No pressure on you, but don't let us down. Right, I'm going to do my best. And I, I, I a little bit of self-criticism. I felt that Kerry really did lean into Tweet of the Week a bit more than I did before. So I've, I've got big shoes to fill and I, I haven't done a good enough job so far. So hopefully hopefully this week's my first step in the right direction. Um, anyway, so here we are. Um, gold, silver, bronze. Starting with bronze, as is traditional. So 13-minute <laughs> man at 13-minute man. Uh, so 
Dear Gavin, please would you appear as a guest on my Radio Borsetshire show to talk more about being a hero? Yours sincerely, Susan Carter. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's that. <laughs> Um, uh, so yeah, and, and I, I know Kerry, you had a bit of a problem doing tweet of the week that you kept on choosing the same people, and um, I'm afraid Thirteen yeah. Minute Man and I seem to share a sense of humour. So, well, yeah, whether the rest of the world do or not, that's for you all to you know <laughs> opine. But um, yeah, I, 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 I like him. Um, anyway, here we. So the next one, uh, Silver, in fact, is John John. So that's at John John Twenty One. And it says, now that Alice has been found, could they send out a search party for Neil, Cathy and Jamie Perks? <laughs> Are they also on verges, scattered yeah. around Borsa? Well, <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I, it wasn't so much the funnies with that one, although it did make me laugh. It was more just that, yeah, it was because it Where was like, a, exactly, just boom, mm. gone. Yeah. Um, they're not even, they're vaguely, they're barely even talked about anymore. At least, you know, you occasionally hear from Hayley, don't you? You know, sort of vague news of what she's up to. Mm. And, you know, drum roll, Royfield, <laughs> um, gold position. Um, <laughs> I know and what's this, coming. This was this was um, sent to me by a um, a rather lovely lady from Brighton, um, <laughs> and it made me laugh. So it's just just a bit of um, um, just a bit you know just a bit of a question about gardening from Charlie Thomas at C Thomas six six three, wondering if the tits will land on Robert's fat balls. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, I I've got to say Charlie fat Thomas. I'm just taking it seriously. I mean, it, it's not quite the winter yet, so I doubt Robert has his fat balls out uh, yet. I mean, it would be a bit weird to have your fat balls out in the summer, but yes, um, let's wait and see. Uh, I think gardening's going to be, a, you know, a, a, appearing a lot more in the arches. I feel really, really bad now about Claire from Clapham saying that Carry On is de- defunct. You're, you're suggesting there might be some light hypocrisy going on. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm just saying that I really like silly things like that. So, <laughs> yes, well, we are we are Sorry. birds. That we are uh, we are tits of a feather. Um, <laughs> we are. I'm yeah. not going to ask who's the fat balls. Yeah. Oh, there's no Sorry. need for that. Poor Royfield. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, so there you go, Royfield. The, um, that's uh, you know tweet of the week. <laughs> oh. Just to go back, that. <laughs> just to go back on what Claire from Clapham was saying. Oh dear! Does that mean that I can't enjoy watching Carry On Up the Kyber anymore? Oh, one of my favourite Carry On films. Though. Carry On Abroad is my favourite. So I was listening. To, oh, that is a good. There's been a, there's been a couple of articles recently about how certain comedians or shows just seem uncancelable. So, for instance, you know, Thirty Rock mm-hmm. is having to censor some of its shows. Despite Thirty Rock's amazing, but there's been some blackface. There's been some other problematic um, pl- plot lines, and they started to prune the the shows that go out. And yet, Curb Your Enthusiasm goes untouched. I have mm-hmm. a sneaky feeling that Carry On might get a pass because yeah. It's all so heavily signposted and knowingly crass. So, do you think it could survive? Do you think it could go out on the TV like it used to? It does all the time. Still go out on the does TV? It? Oh yes, it definitely really? does. Yep, yep, yep. Not that what, long ago. I what, have what package you signed up to? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's still definitely. I've I've not that long ago seen Carry On stuff, and I've got all the DVDs as well. <laughs> I just ah. love it. It's so terrible. Yeah, sorry. 
<laughs> so it's mm. so so fr- so you know a, t- a typical Wednesday evening at your house is a couple of episodes of Russ Abbott <laughs> followed by oh, um, uh, a, a carry on double bill. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> I love Laurel and Hardy, so you know I, I I watch all sorts of ancient things. Oh, Harold Lloyd, that was oh, oh Harold God, Lloyd, loved yeah. Harold Lloyd, yeah, what a genius that that guy. Mm. And I, I, I will strip to the waist and fight anyone in the street naked. Well, <laughs> strip to the waist. I'll fight, you know, if, if they criticise the Phil Silver show. That's absolute oh, yeah. dynamite. No, that, yeah. A.K.A. That, Bilko, Sergeant Bilko over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that, 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 that was another level of genius. Utterly, <sighs> utterly. Phil Silver. What, what, what a man. What a comedian. Yeah. All right. So um, on that note, but uh, I love a party with a happy atmosphere. What <laughs> Jesus, Russ Abbott. He once you know, held you... the door open for me in a cafe in Wakefield, and I was starstruck. One of these days, we'll have to have a who can who can drop the smallest um, <laughs> name. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Folks, well, if you've encountered a washed up, has been of a star, <laughs> well, maybe when they weren't so washed up, but somebody who you look back and go, ooh. I don't know why I got all excited about meeting them. Why don't you go to dondedom.com and post it in the comment section on, on this on this show? After you've read one of Cosmo's wonderful, insightful, humorous, and rather brilliant podcast roundups. That's what you can do on dondedom.com. You can do stuff on there. So go on to dondedom.com and get some stuff done. Now, another way you can help us out on the podcast is by writing us a five-star review. Now, we don't mandate that it has to be five stars, but it'd be nice if you could give us five stars, but only give us the stars that we deserve. We don't want to be like gravelicious, as my grandmother would say, if we don't deserve the five stars. But, you know, Peter tries hard. Kerry's wonderful. And I, eh, you know, I'd kind of bring up the rear. And if we somehow fill a one-hour void in your week, and raise a smile and maybe even provoke the odd thought. Why don't you go onto Apple iTunes and write us a review and say so, because that'd be nice. Because we need virtual cuddles like that. Times is hard, the COVIDs are back, we're all in lockdown. Let's be nice to each other. There you go. Now, another way which you can help uh, me and, and, and my team of, of workers, shall we say, because <laughs> horses is too brutal a term. <laughs> Don't to dehumanise uh, Kerry and Peter, but the way which you can help us is by uh, giving us two American dollars per show. And I hear you. I hear you say, Royfield, I'm English, or I'm in Australia, or I'm in Kathmandu, and I haven't got any dollars. Don't worry. Basically, Patreon.com. If you go there, and whatever currency you actually ha- you actually have. It will convert it into US dollars. And you say, when you say, why US dollars? I don't know. That's what Patreon, that's the currency of Patreon. But what it does do, it helps pay for um, Kerry's rider. Because like before Kerry mm. does the show, there's this, you know, this wonderfully toned uh, man <laughs> over in the corner who oils it out, gets it all nice and limber, <laughs> right? So she's in peak condition to deliver Dumpty Dum to you. Right. Charles Collingwood. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> With all due respect, I've seen him. He's not in peak condition. You know, it's <laughs> rather funny and whatever, but physically he's not in peak condition. But then again, maybe that's what you like. <laughs> now, Peter, Peter has 
a ridiculous set of demands. You know, he took, you know, a leaf out of those aging rock stars that said, you know, take out all of the, was it the brown smarties? But mm-hmm. that's what Pete said. He has a mountain of sweets or candies for our American listeners. And he's, and he's really, really quite rigorous as the amount that he has before he does a show and then the amount that they need to be taken out of that bowl. It all costs money because I need to employ somebody just to do that, to take out the said smarties. So boy, oh boy, getting a dumby dum done doesn't come for nothing. So we need those $2 per episode, folks. So if you can, if you will, please do send us $2 per episode via Patreon. It's a wonderful facility. Now, um, I'm running out of things to say. So I'm going to hand the mic over to Kerry. She's going to say something about telephone numbers, texting. I'll come back and I'll talk about Twitter. I'm still fanning myself after that. (laughs) That discussion. Um, remember to get in contact. You can send us a voice message via Speakpipe on the website or call 0203 031 3105 to leave a message or send a text message starting with dumb to 077 862 00690. Mm. Now, you say I've said it. About 340-odd times. And, oh, that reminds me, we're almost up to our 350th episode, so we're going to have to do something special for that. Uh, but far be it from me to mandate and to dictate what that will be. I'll just throw that out to you, Dumbly Dumber, you dear listener. Why don't you come up with a suggestion as to what we should do for the 350th episode, which is happening in about three episodes' time, I believe. Ooh. It'd be nice to do something special. Anyway, right, so maybe you can even talk about that on Twitter because that's what Twitter's there for. People can converse, throw ideas around as long as they're not too verbose and too windy because Twitter's all about brevity, isn't it, Peter? Yes. Yes, it is. So, uh, Twitter, right, if you want to go, go, go to us and say, right, Mush, Royfield, Peter, Kerry, this is what I think you should do for your 350th episode. Why don't you, like, at Dumpty Dum? Now, Peter, if somebody wants to include you in on their thought process, how would they find you on, on the Twitters? Uh, Peter Fickling. Oh, now, Kerry, you don't want to be left out now, do you? Oh, God, no. Um, no. <laughs> um, I am at Kerry Warbis, which is K-E-R-I-W-A-R-B-I-S. Mm. Now, um You'll probably notice, folks, that I'm some. I I have a presence on on Twitter, but I'm somewhat sporadic. Um, I'm kind of getting back into my American politics tweeting thing at the moment. However, I am putting a little bit. I'm reserving a certain amount of brain power and space for tweets about the archers and dum de dum and what we should do in our 350th episode. So, if you'd like to tweet at me, I'm at Roy Fields, spelled R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D. So, R-O-I for India, F-I-E-L-D. So, ooh, there you go. And, of course, folks, um, you can put this to us on Facebook. And each week, I rail against the omnipotent power of Mike Zuckerberg and his evil empire, which he cloaks all behind this smiling facade that is Facebook. Oh, yes. I say it every week. However, hmm. Put that to one side just for now, right? Go on to Facebook if you like Facebook. And if you like Facebook, you're the type of person that does Facebook. So if you're on Facebook, just go on there and uh, do a bit of the dum-de-dums and then possibly come up with an idea of what 
and how we can celebrate our 350th episode, which is happening rather soon. Which is one of the reasons why I've wittered and twittered on about uh, Maeve and Mary not contrarian with a spoon because they've been with us literally from the start and Maeve was in episode one. It's very nice, I think, for me and Kerry as well to hear some of these older, more um, experienced Dumpty Dummers. Uh, mm. I, I uh, listened to back the in. first episode, though, of Dumpty Dum. Uh, I never called in, but, yeah, it is it is brilliant. And, Royfield, you're looking cracking for 350. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. There was like we, we did get on our um, on our WhatsApp group, didn't we? We got that rather fetching picture of Royfield in shorts, oh, silhouetted yeah. on a, a Sicilian street. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was Ragusa. It was it's rather lovely, utterly stunning. You did what? Uh, Sorry, pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I have to contend with here, folks. But you know what? It's all done in good fun and jest. So we've done Facebook, we've done Twitter, we've done Patreon, we've done. Five star reviews if we if we deserve them. We've done dundrum.com. so it, I think it's right and proper that now I draw a veil on this wonderful, heartwarming, dramatic return to form of weeks that we've had in Borsetshire. Now, Peter, you you wax much more eloquently than I do, so why don't I say to you, Peter, any final comments? No, just a big thank you. I enjoyed it a lot. Auntie Kerry Warburton? Yes, uh, that was fun, wasn't it? Um, it? I feel all fired up and I can't wait to hear what happens this week. There you go, folks. We can't wait to hear what happens this week. See you all again in seven days' time. Oh, not seven days' time because this one's late. Mm. Mm. See you all in a matter of hours. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Take care, Ron. Bye bye. 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 There you go.